0: I am David Fitzgerald and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an
1: atheist Coming from Mousetrap, BC, this is Left of the Valley My name is Kevin and I summon that the early bird gets the worm But the second mouse gets the cheese
0: It does
1: Joining me, of course, is the Batwoman to my Shepherd's Pie costume of Robin. Hi, Christina.
2: Hello. How are you? I'm actually doing really good. Just you and I do. Yes.
1: Oh my god.
0: Isn't
1: that weird? No,
2: I'm I like it. Okay. Relaxing. Okay,
1: cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much for helping me with the show today. We're going to have a great show. We're going to be talking to God
2: himself. Today. I know. I am so excited. I have been sending him messages my whole life, so it's going to be very rewarding to actually get a response finally.
1: you got lots of questions to ask him. No, actually, we'll be talking to comedian Brian Keith Dalton, Mr. D, D. himself. That's going to be great. That's going to be it in the will. second half of the show. But first, let's do a bit of chit-chat. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Can chit-chat all day. All
1: right. Um... Did you guys hear, well, did you guys, I'm so used to having all three of you guys hear. Yes. <laughs> did you hear that according to a U.S. news study, uh, they ranked Canada as the number one place in the world for quality of life? Really? In the third year in a row.
2: Nice.
1: Now, the metrics were affordability, yeah. stable job market. Economic stability, family-friendly, income equality, education system, and a health system. Does that really surprise you?
2: It, it does, that we're top, because I would honestly think a Scandinavian country would be Denmark top. came in number two. Okay. Do we... The years we haven't been number one, has Denmark been number one, do you know? Probably, yes. Yeah.
1: That's a, it didn't yeah. say on the article there, but hey.
2: I wonder what tipped us higher than Denmark.
1: Uh, maybe it's just Denmark's having an off year. I don't know.
2: Yeah. And so is this specifically for Americans?
1: Uh, uh, no, it's no, it's it, it, it's not for Americans. It's just that they're the ranking the countries as being the oh, best okay. place in the world. Because like, if
2: it's for like, Americans to move to, then we speak English well, mostly. So.
1: <laughs> maybe it is a clear indication that uh, to our U.S. friends down there in Trump and Stan, Yeah, You guys. might want to look up north, guys.
2: Yeah, and also, I wonder where America was on that list.
1: Oh, God, I don't even want to know. Probably I'm sorry, America, 20. but you
2: guys have so much to work on.
1: Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And we're do.
2: here to help. We want to help. Because <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. Speaking, Just not the crazy ones.
1: Speaking of progressive, uh, Iceland has decided to put plans to ban male circumcision.
2: Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Iceland.
1: They're, they're proposing a six-year prison term. Now, the Muslim Association says this is an attack on religion. Uh, well, of no, course they have to say that.
2: It's... To help children not be mutilated.
1: Circumcising girls has been illegal in Iceland since 2005.
2: Yeah, because it's mutilating babies. Yeah, so
1: now they would put it to boys as well. And good for them wow. for doing so.
2: Yeah, because like if if you want to be circumcised when you're an adult and you have that ability to make the bodily decision for yourself, 100%. It's
1: exactly how Iceland is looking at it too. But
2: if you're a baby, you have no idea if that child... Will grow up to be like I wanted this, especially when there's honestly no health benefits. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's it's not.
1: There's no health benefits. Yeah. So it's not it's like just a religious thing.
2: You're by doing this. Oh, your kid's going to have like no chance of getting AIDS or something. Like, yes, it cuts down on like hygiene a little bit. Well, but I mean, just teach your boys how to keep yeah like, clean keep it themselves. clean.
1: That's all there is. Right. Keep it clean down south. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Um. In- I hope
2: more countries do. Sorry for interrupting you, but I honestly hope more countries do.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, to, to all the guys out there, let's let's face it, guys. If if you're a guy like me, you need every inch you can get. <laughs> <laughs> In uh, South Korea, the international panel on climate change uh, basically came out with a warning, saying the world is off track to stay within the 1.5 degrees warming, and are actually more likely to have the 3-degree warming. Are you warming. serious? It will be a hugely costly uh, to manage 2 degrees, so they'll go to 3 degrees. See, so they would probably require large-scale changes, like investing 2.5% of the GDP of every country every year to fight climate change, which is huge, huge numbers. Wow. Big changes need to happen, especially in the energy, uh, land use, uh, cities, and industry sector. Yeah. Um, tick-tock, tick-tock, right? Yeah. Cause Clock th- is running, guys.
2: It's terrifying how fast climate change is speeding up.
1: Yeah. and uh, It's the,
2: not just like 100 years from now. It's like, oh, in 20 years, guys.
1: Yeah, we're talking about climate refugees already. I mean, yep. what the hell? Eh? And like,
2: just look at the, the amount of tropical storms that mm-hmm. we're getting out and the severity of them. Like, that is a direct... That is a direct... Correlation? Yeah. Like, and it's being caused by climate yeah, change. absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Oh, did you see this... Oh, there's this brilliant commercial. You know how I, I, I abhor... Uh, voter apathy i really really hate it and um there's a uh commercial that's been going around saying dear young people don't vote
2: are you serious it
1: is brilliant listen to this i've got the clip right here listen to this this is a bunch of old people say to young people they're using reverse psychology don't vote oh let's listen
0: dear young people don't vote don't vote everything's fine the way it is (laughs) Trump. that was us he's our guy Tax cuts for the rich? (laughs) Hell yeah, I'm rich as fuck.
2: Climate change? That's a you
3: problem. I'll be dead soon. Sure, school shootings are sad. But
0: I haven't been in a school for 50 years. I can't keep track of which lives matter. Sure you don't like it. So, you'll like some meme on Instagram.
3: If the weather is nice, maybe you could go to one of those little marches. You might even share this video on Facebook.
0: But you won't vote.
3: You young people never do.
0: But I do. I do.
2: I do. Midterms, primaries.
0: Every single election. We'll be there, but you won't. Because we're a generation of doers. Not whiners. And we're doing great.
1: I that love... Is, that is rock to vote. <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant. I
2: love the ominous music. Do Yes! Yes,
1: and you know what? But it's true. It's true. It's true. That's exactly right. It's true. <sighs> the, uh, the younger generation outnumber the older generation. Yep. And yet we're always panhandling to yeah. them because they go out and vote every single election yep. while we're out there and we're not. So it's time to really change that. And I hope mm-hmm. this commercial really. Brings the message home to a lot of yeah. people.
2: And I, I, I think one big thing I know in the States, Canada doesn't have that prob- this problem as much. But I find a lot of young people don't understand the voting systems. They don't mm-hmm. realize mm-hmm. they have to register to vote. They don't realize like all the things you have to do before you go mm-hmm. to vote. In Canada, we are automatically registered when we file our tax returns. Yes. Um, so that, I think, helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And you can also do same-day registration, which is amazing. Um, but in the States, there's a, and there's so much there voter is. suppression. Yes, I
1: was about to say exactly that, that voter suppression.
2: They make it so hard for young people because they know Especially that... Especially
1: if you're a person of color. Oh, my gosh, or, oh my exactly. God, it's awful.
2: Because they know that their population is dwindling. And they know they're losing. Lose it. They know they're they, losing. They realize, I don't know if they actually like consciously realize this, that or they if. are living in the past that, and the future is swiftly coming Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to wipe them off the board. Yeah. Uh,
1: Like I've I've been saying this, God, you've been hearing me say this forever. Uh, Humans as a species are progressive. Mm -hmm. And why the hell are we always kowtowing to conservatives? I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's because even though there's less of them and much less of them compared to progressive quote slash liberals, call them what you want, uh, these people are not getting out. And while the conservatives always are. Yep.
2: And I think another another large difference between the older generation and the younger generation that is just starting to vote
1: mm-hmm.
2: is that the older generation realizes how important the tiny elections are. Yes. Like the, the city council, the school the, trustees. They're the ones
1: that affect you the most.
2: Exactly. Where I find a lot of younger people only think about... The senators and the the president,
1: president or something like that,
2: and realize, oh well, there's no like, why would I vote for my mayor? Like it doesn't matter. Why would I vote for the school trustees? I don't have kids. (laughs) Without realizing that those people are, are, shaping the future, for your community and the future generations exactly.
1: those kids you might not have are the kids that are going to graduate and they're going to be the doctors you're going to have yeah when you're old they're going to be the
2: architects that create your nursing home
1: exactly <laughs> just just to give you a quick example uh, th- these are numbers uh, 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 that that have pulled um uh, when um the conservative uh, prime minister we had stephen harper i hate he, him he was voted. <laughs> the voter turnout was thirty-two percent, I believe, serious? when when he was elected. Now think about it this way: thirty-two percent of registered voters came out, and he ended up winning. So out of the thirty-two percent, one third of them voted conservative. So you have essentially one ninth of Canadians decided the faith of the pri- who the prime minister was going to be oh and where gosh. the country was going for the next four years. <laughs> this is why your vote matters. When Justin Trudeau came in and there was a big backlash against the conservative, the voter voter uh, turnout was 66%. Yeah, I voted.
2: That was my first election I could vote in.
1: Yeah. And it's exactly what I've been saying forever. As soon as the voter turnout goes high, there is no way in hell a conservative can go in. So their game, and this has been their game for the past three decades at the very least, their game has always been make people apathetic. Mm -hmm. Make... Tell them their vote doesn't matter. Tell them stay home. Tell them it doesn't make a difference who goes in. Blah, blah, blah. I
2: think that is the one thing that Trump has helped. Mm. Like, Trump is a horrible person, and he has done so much harm to the world, but he has made everyone in America (laughs) non-apathetic.
1: Well, I hope so. We'll see very soon. Yeah. Because the, uh, the midterm election in the states... Do not have a good record of turnout.
2: But the thing is, if you look in the past, on midterm elections, they don't usually get a lot of press coverage. They're, yes. They don't get a lot of people, um, like, going to rallies and stuff. Sorry, I dropped my phone. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but this current midterm we're coming up to in America, mm-hmm. there's been so much attention to them, that I really think that there will be a large turnout for it. Hopefully more on the uh, left-leaning people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Conservatives, don't go to vote. Stay home. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think everyone should vote. But I just honestly think there are less conservatives.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. And last but certainly not least, um, did you hear that story about that Saudi dissident writer, Jamal Khashoggi? I hope I've said this right.
2: Uh, Yeah, I don't know.
1: Khashoggi? Uh, he has been He's a missing journalist, presumed killed in the yeah. Saudi embassy. Um, he was a writer for Washington Post. Apparently, uh, he went into the Saudi embassy in uh, Istanbul, yeah. uh, in Turkey there, and uh, he never came out. And people su- suspect that he was murdered and dismembered in the embassy. Yeah. Uh, CNN reported that uh, t- apparently the Turkish authorities have a visual and audio evidence... Of his death, because okay. apparently he had an apple, Iowa an apple Genius. watch,
2: yes, and apparently
1: he had the
2: well he I know that he, he went in there knowing that something might happen, because yeah. he told his fiance,
1: of course, Canada called out the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, good uh Trudeau says uh basically Canada will not back down when denouncing human rights abuse. uh well, jeez. Thank goodness that we were, we're partnering with these guys, right? Now. It's yeah. a good thing that we just love It's like, for Christ's sake, if there's one country that needs this ass kick right now, it's Saudi Arabia, yeah. really. I mean, I know the I know conservatives are saying, oh, you know, they have lots of money and oil and all that shit, but come on. But come on.
2: money doesn't excuse human rights yeah. violations. Like, it, it doesn't matter if this is the richest country on the planet and they have the most, like, and they're willing to give you everything. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. they are They are killing people.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, but now, since you're here, uh, you're the one that's going to have to suffer this. I uh, know. We-
0: <laughs> I'm so nervous.
1: <laughs> we received... Mail Mail some mail. All right, we got a message from one of our listeners, and uh, I told him that we would answer, uh, the ladies would answer. This is from Daryl. Um, hi, Daryl. Hi, Daryl. He <laughs> says, Hello, my ear friends. Yay, Pun intended. We have friends. <laughs> Pun intended. The ear friends, right? Just the ear. He says, I've been meaning to write to you for several years. Finally, I'm going to do it. I left Abbotsford in 2014 after several years after meeting some of you through the FVASH meetings. I went through a very dark time after moving back to the farm in Saskatchewan. Listening to your show, and for more reason, Nancy's voice in particular.
2: Yeah, she is amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is. That definitely keep me sane and mentally healthy. I hope to... We're helping this guy's health. This, Good. I don't know. You might, you might need to... Hey, a little bit of crazy
2: in your life is always
1: helpful. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I hope to someday be able to move back to the mountains. We hope so too, buddy. I listened uh, recently to the Atheist Nomads episode uh, 263, News in the New uh, Ascentism. About 50 minutes to the episode, they talked about benevolent sexism and what, if anything, a man can do to help a woman feel comfortable in his presence. I want to be a nice guy and let people, the LGBT, feminists, women, etc., know that I'm an ally. What, if anything, I, uh, what if anything can I do if, perchance, I was alone in the elevator with someone and I felt they were nervous in my presence? Now, this guy, he says, I am 188 centimeters tall and 125 kilos. He's not a small guy. This I- guy is like 6... I think he's like six three.
2: Okay, because I'm like I don't know centimeters. He's like six
1: three three and two <laughs> almost two hundred seventy five pounds. He's a big boy. Yeah. he's a big boy, and it, it's, so, so I I totally I I said to to Daryl that I totally understand. I'm not as big as he is, but even I sometimes I walk into an elevator or a place like that, and right away you could see people getting kind of defensive, like I'm gonna chew their chew them out or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I I thought since you, you're the uh, one woman that we have here yes. today that maybe you, you would be able to uh, respond, at least give a response so that we can get uh, Kirsten and Nancy to come back and yeah. give their response as well to Daryl. So um, what advice would you have for Daryl?
2: So the first thing I just want to say is thank you so much for messaging yes. us. thank you, We Darryl. love, absolutely, I, don't, I personally love hearing from our listeners. It makes me feel like I have friends <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I'm not just yelling into the void. Um, so the first thing I would say is Understanding that you have an impact on those around you, like, just your physical presence is very important. It's already a big step. Yes. Because a lot of guys don't realize that they can make women uncomfortable. Oh. Even if they're not... Even if they know that they don't have any negative intentions toward women, women don't know that all the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And especially for larger men, they can be very intimidating. Mm. So... The I'm gonna the first advice I'm gonna give you um, is if you have any women in your life that you trust and that you can have open conversations with, I would really encourage you to um, talk to them personally because they being able they know you and um, they have they can better assess you physically and
1: then like, what we can see it.
2: exactly because a lot of things go into how people perceive you. Like, where if you have your shoulders hunched versus like back, mm-hmm. um, how you hold your hands, like the little aspects of how you present yourself will impact that.
1: It's true that body language is 90% of our language. It, it, really it really is.
2: And for women, especially in tight quarters like an elevator where you're literally locked in this little box with someone mm-hmm. we have to make those split se- uh, and we make split second assessments of yes, people yes. and understanding that people do that is very important so making sure that you like I'm trying to word this
1: well let me ask some questions because okay. I, I understand in what shoes he's in I totally get I yeah. totally get it so if I walk into an elevator you and I we yep. don't know each other right um First of all, I should not stare at you, right?
2: Yeah, okay. I'm just going to jump in here. I just remember what I was going to say. The most important thing is look at women as human beings, not sexual objects. Well,
1: I think it's obvious by his later he already is.
2: Exactly. But, like, that, that is the biggest thing that's going to indicate your actions. Because if you're thinking about a woman as, like, oh, my gosh, I want to have sex with her, your body is going to reflect that. So if you see, if you're in an elevator... Don't think about having sex with that woman.
1: Well, okay, that might be a bit tougher than I you I know, think.
2: <laughs> I know, but it's something that you that that does change
1: your, your, your demeanor, your,
2: exactly. Okay.
1: So, so if you and I are in an elevator, um,
2: and I don't know you,
1: and you don't know me, yeah. And I'm this weird-looking guy. Uh, do I smile? Should I smile?
2: Okay, so this is something that I had a conversation with Kirsten about. There, there is. Very delicate etiquette, mm-hmm. etiquette around smiling. Yes, because women there are specific times when if a man smiles at us, we're like, oh my gosh, he's going till he like wants to have sex with me, and I don't know what he's going to do. Because if we're just in an elevator and you're staring at me and smile at me, I'm like, I am so uncomfortable right now.
0: Really?
2: It and this there are things that play into that. If say when you are entering an elevator and you see a woman. If, like, say hi to her. Like, mm-hmm. hey, good morning. and Like, like you would do... Yeah. And, and I guess as a Canadian, this is a lot easier because in Canadian culture, being polite and, like, we say hi to people on the street that we have no idea who they are. It's mm-hmm. just kind of the culture of Canada. So I don't know how in other places on the, in the world this would go across, but... Well, he's in Saskatchewan. Exactly. It's the same thing, right? So just saying hi and then just kind of like...
1: Does he engage in small talk?
2: If she engages back. Because yeah, it's, but does he initiate um, it? Like for example,
1: are you, we're in the elevator, you and I. Say, hey, how you doing? And you say, fine. I say, oh, weird weather we'd be having, right? And would that would that be too far? Would that be creepy?
2: It depends.
1: Because I, I find just saying, hey, how you doing? And you say, oh, fine, and then just silence. I think that's worse.
2: Yeah, I, I yeah, and and this is where situations are very
1: they vary from person to person. Yeah,
2: and and one thing that. As a man, you should be – when you say hi,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it's more like – it's it's really – it's hard to describe a lot of times because each situation is so unique. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing is really reading everyone, like, the other person's body language. If when you say, hey, good morning, as you're entering in the elevator – if she like, if you notice the the other person, the elevator like is like, oh my gosh, and like kind of like goes in, like their body language is more hunched, and mm-hmm. they look like they're like trying to protect themselves. Then I wouldn't,
1: okay,
2: um, because like she's obviously not like yeah, receptive. Uh, at to that point, that. you
1: shouldn't engage her either into yeah. Or... And if you
2: have a phone, maybe go on your phone and be like distract yeah, yourself, okay.
1: pretend to go on Facebook. That's not exactly a bad
2: idea. because then she's like, okay, he's not focusing on me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What about, like, a, this might sound silly, but his hand position? He's in the elevator. Should he just fold his hand in front of him, keep him to his side, put him in his pocket, fold his hands across?
2: No, that that is a very good question. Because hand position, because for a woman, if a man is going to attack me, the hands are what he's going to grab me with. Yeah, Of course. So the hand, where your hands are, are very important. Um, so that's why, like, playing with your phone is a really good thing, because then, that your hands are occupied doing something mm-hmm. um and like i think like yeah cuz like just having them like just like sitting there i like i don't it depends how, if she is awkward or like again this depends on the other person in the elevator yeah. cuz like for me there are times where i'm totally chill with a random person, especially depends the size of the elevator.
1: So, so this is a problem we're we're having with this conversation is, um, this this is gonna vary from woman to woman. So there yes. is no there is no right answer for you here, Daryl. Mm-hmm. You you're just gonna have to be really quick on your feet and really assess quickly how is she reacting to your presence. Yes. If she's terrified, then maybe you should whip out your phone and pretend you're playing on it or or even talking or having a conversation or something.
2: This is something where women and men on average develop different skills Mm -hmm. because women, a lot of women I know have had to develop the ability to read body language very fast and accurately Mm -hmm. because it can save our lives. Where I find men, a lot of men I know haven't had to learn that skill. So, Really, like, learning body language is really important. Yeah. Um, another thing... Oh, I was going to mention something. Oh, I was going to mention another thing that's very important is learning the human bubble. The Like, because a lot of times when people hear about, like, personal space bubble, mm-hmm. they think a circle. And it's not a circle. It's... Because it's more like an oval thing because in front of us a lot of a lot of people can get very close to someone without feeling okay you're in my personal space
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the sides like or directly like out from you it's a little far i mean a little closer i mean no sorry farther because it's in our peripheral vision and so we can see what's going on there mm-hmm. so we but not very clearly so we need a little more space and behind and, and this isn't just for women men have the same bubble yeah and behind people we can't see what's there so it is like way way bigger so definitely looking at where you're positioned mm-hmm. around other people okay and if you're just in like your day-to-day life don't come up behind a woman
1: yeah
2: <laughs> like that's very uncomfortable <laughs>
1: Okay, fair enough. So so I uh, we also should not give him the advice of doing like dogs, rolling on his back and no. exposing his belly. No, that's No, that, for,
2: that would for be a belly like, rub.
1: No. daryl don't no. do that. Whatever you do, don't do that.
2: <laughs> but if it you just have, looks weird
1: in the elevator if, as the door open if and you're you on your back. You
2: have a dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you have a dog in the elevator, that would help.
2: Yes, cuz cuz dogs are amazing and they are very good at reading people. So if a do- like, and if I have a dog and it's comfortable with someone, then I'm like, okay, this person's probably not a zero killer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Well, and Daryl, I hope this helps a bit. Uh, when Kirsten and Nancy come back, we'll probably revisit the issue. Yeah. And, and uh, it- hopefully they'll be able to collaborate with what you're saying or maybe have yeah. their own twist. You'll, you might have three different answers from three different women. But we, do have, we can establish that you have to be really quick on your toes to be able to read her body language right away. And you have to mm-hmm. adapt your demeanor as to compensate for what she's feeling at the moment.
2: And a really important thing for everyone to do is learn your body. Like, learn how people react when you have your shoulders back and your head high for slouch. Like, different people... Display... Different things yes,
1: and through I think, their body language. I, I think that piece of advice also goes not just for men, but for, especially for women. Oh,
2: definitely. Uh, and, and this is something women have to learn.
1: The, the, absolutely. Absolutely. I will tell you, uh, like from a, from a guy's point of view, um, I can walk down the street and I can walk and see five different women and I will tell you which one of them is a victim just by the way she walks. You can tell. The way she slouches, the way she crosses her arms, the way she's you know encapsulated. And, I, and, I, and I'm walking, and I'm seeing her across the street, and I'm I'm thinking right away. I'm thinking you're a victim. You're you're oh, you're not. I wouldn't say asking for it, but your body language suggests that you're extremely vulnerable. If yeah. I was a predator, I would pick you yeah. because. So, women have to learn to. Even I, if we I, want I to re- cross
2: our arms and and yeah. protect ourselves, we have to learn to. Display something Confidence. that we don't feel yes. be as a protective mechanism.
1: I, th- I think la- last week we were talking a bit about this and uh, you, you guys were referring to the bitch walk. Yes. I I disagree with that. I, I I don't think you guys should do that. I think it actually is more harmful for you guys than anything else. But as a woman, I think it would be, it would really, really work in your favor to just walk extremely confidently. Now, not, not like confidently as in, I'm going to kick your ass confidently, but confidently as in, I can handle anything you can toss at me. Mm-hmm. That I think is worth its weight and gold for women. As far as from a male's point of view, somebody who just walks like the the bitch walk, you can see her coming as the as well. She's coming yeah. and she's angry, and you're thinking, "What's your problem?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> Even if you do that just to, to protect mm-hmm. yourself, if I encounter you later on, I already have a negative impression yep. of you.
2: And I think for women, like I know for me, why that was like the first thing I learned, because it's easier. To display anger than confidence
1: well I agree that but it, the, the, it's
2: easier to learn how to do that is what I'm trying
1: to say there's an old saying that you know if you carry a knife on you all the time eventually somebody you'll have to use it yeah. and I think I think I think that that, that bitch walk is the same thing mm-hmm. you're, you're inviting challenge Okay, I can see that. And, and, and I will, another point of view, another thing, a little tip for women out there, okay? You ever, ever spoken to your boyfriend or, or a, a, a male friend and you're having a really serious emotional conversation with him and you realize he's not looking at you in the eyes? He's staring on the ground. He's talking to you. He's responding, but he's not looking at you. That is a natural male instinct too. Direct eye contact invites challenge so when women are saying look at me look at me in the eyes when I'm talking to you it's not because he's ignoring you he's got the natural instinct to not stare at you directly in the eyes because that invites aggression so that's a Mm tip for women tip for women
2: good
1: to know yeah we should should almost do an entire show on this kind of stuff we almost could (laughs) Daryl I hope this helps for now Uh, stay tuned and uh, like I said when Nancy and Kirsten come back we'll have some more of this and we'll revisit the subject for sure definitely in the meantime, feel free to keep writing to us. Yes. You can write to us at outlook.com or you can do it directly through yes. the website.
2: Because we love hearing from you guys.
1: Yes. We love hearing from you guys. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, Kirsten's not here today, so you get to do another brilliant moment.
2: We'll Brought see how this goes, guys. to you by
1: religion. It's
2: the first time I've done this, so. You'll do great. Be gentle. <laughs> okay, so this week I'm pulling from Canada because we have our crazies, too. We do. Yes, and specifically the leader of the the party in Quebec uh, called. Oh gosh, how did we say his name? François- François- Legault. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So
1: he was just elected.
2: Yeah, and he wants to. He's putting forward. Um. He doesn't want. trying to say words.
1: Um, There's been a fight in Quebec for several years now whether or not...
2: Take it away.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I I know what story you're referring to. I can't take it away completely, but there's been been a fight (laughs) for several years now referring to uh, whether or not um, employees of the state government should be able to wear religious symbolism.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Personally, I applaud the idea of not uh, telling them no you cannot wear a religious symbols. Me too, especially and,
2: for government employees. I
1: actually agree with the conservatives on that side. I actually agree with that. Although a lot of people will tell me, "No, that's bad," blah blah blah, and my liberal friends are going to be against me on this. I actually it's okay.
2: I am a liberal friend, and I actually agree with you on this.
1: Well, so. if you and I are together, then we can take it. Uh, the problem, <laughs> the problem is, is Lago came in there, and he came in this week and basically said, because there's a crucifix in, in the in the. Uh, the Quebec Parliament, if you wish, on the wall, yeah.
2: and it's very prominent. It's very prominent. You cannot crucifixed. miss it. It's big. There's it's always behind been a the huge.
0: Face. <laughs>
1: there's always a huge history of Catholicism in Quebec, right? Mm-hmm. The church has been mm-hmm. present during the entire colony days and all that—that's kind of stuff. And past premiers have been reluctant to take that down. And he this week kept kept on reinforcing that, saying basically it was not a religious symbol yes. but a cultural one.
2: So the the cross is not religious.
1: Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's complete, complete bullshit. I mean, it's not even just a cross. It's a cross with a freaking guy crucified on yeah, it. Yeah,
2: it's a crucifix. It's
1: not even a... You can't even say it's a T. It is It is a freaking crucifix, right?
2: And so his reasoning for why this shouldn't be removed because d- along with all the other religious symbolism in the uh, government workforce is because he said that it alludes to the... The history of Catholicism and um, Pentecostal um, individuals who built the country, yeah. N- and that it, it has been separated from religion. But re- like, I think it was in 2001, a um, uh, a group went and like trying to figure out all the ways that you can lessen religion in government. Mm-hmm. They suggested that they should remove that crucifix behind his head.
1: Absolutely. They absolutely should. Yeah. I mean, we do have a, a much more multicultural society now, even in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And um, when I grew up, of course, everybody I grew up around was 99% white, Caucasian, French. The yeah. uh, demographics have changed. <coughs> For the better. <coughs> Excuse me.
2: He's dying, everyone.
1: I, I'm dying. <laughs> uh, so I think it's really high time to remove that.
2: Especially because it. That crucifix and saying that that is the. Alluding to, like, the building of country, it totally leaves out indigenous populations. It
1: does, it does. Because
2: they are another foundation of our country.
1: Yes. Uh, but the, uh, uh, the the powers that be, his government is essentially a central right, so he does have a conservative faction, yeah. but we prefer to keep that in there. And, you know, if you really look into the history of the Catholic Church in Quebec, it's not rosy. No. This This is, <laughs> very briefly, this is what happened. If you look at a map of Quebec, you realize that every little boon town out there is called Saint-something. Saint-Anselm, Saint-Michel, Saint-Auville, Saint-Whatever. And you realize that what happened in the, the colony days is they would a priest would take a contingent of settlers, go into the woods somewhere far, and say, All right, we're right here, do you a know, sign of the cross, this is going to be the community of Saint-Marie-Bose. All right, you guys build a town here, I'm going back to the city. See ya later. And that's how most of the developments of these little towns happen, in a nutshell. So, even in the population, there is a bit of a... These freaking priests, man, they weren't really all that helpful. No. And even when there were rebellions back in Quebec, the, the, the history of the church was always on the side of the, the government and on the side yeah. of the oppressor, so... I don't think this, this expresses the will of the people. I think this obviously expresses the will of the people that are the conservatives. Well,
2: and they want to keep the status quo and they don't want to face the the actual impacts of these people on our country because they're these same people who are like, oh, well, this... The, the crucifix, like, reflects the Catholic and Protestant, like, influence. They are the same people who don't want Indigenous Day. They don't want to teach kids about, um, what are they, what are they called? The, the schools they sent the Indigenous kids to. Residential Yeah, residential schools. They don't want to teach them about all the horrible things Settlers did. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, if you <laughs> it's not even a good argument. If, it, if you had something like, let's say, for example, the uh, the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Yeah. If you had the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and they say, well, you know, we're keeping it up not because it's a religious symbol, because it's actually a functional structure. It might actually have an argument there but the crucifix in the parliament
2: yeah. <laughs> especially when you can take it down and add a different piece of artwork that actually reflects a
1: fleur-de-lis which represents the province exactly the crest of the promise actually I mean, a fleur-de-lis
2: would be really nice behind it would be. his face it would be they're you know, pretty it's
1: a nice room too it's, yeah. really, it's a nice room so anyway he's a doofus
2: and a hypocrite and a hypocrite <laughs> Good job, Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> and we have the green <laughs> Well, actually more the NDP but...
1: Is that what we get today this week?
2: Hmm?
1: Is that what we have this week for the another brilliant or did get something else?
2: No, that was it.
1: That was it. All I, right.
2: I I was really nervous, That's as okay. you guys could tell. You did great. I'm much better at reacting to things (laughs) than uh, reading them. Yeah. That's my lot in life. (laughs) Perfect.
1: So let's take a quick break and when we return we'll have a God himself.
2: I am so excited.
1: By Keith Dalton. So stay with us. I think it should be religion treated with ridicule and hatred and contempt. And I claim that right. In the morning. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Stanley from the Right to Reason podcast. And if you subscribe now, you'll get
0: free. Learn more about the broadcast at therighttoreason.com.
1: What happens when you're an atheist living inside the Canaan Bible Belt? If you're like me, you gather some friends and take to the airwaves. So I invite you to take a left to the valley and find out where you stand in this world. Follow us on iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, Stitcher, Blog Talk, or lefttothevalley.com. Atheist, skeptics, and humanist radio, no God required.
0: Hi, I'm Dominic Vince, and my favorite podcast is Left Out the Valley.
1: Love that kid. Anti-Semitism was preached as an official doctrine of the church until 1964. Do you think that might have something to do with public opinion in Austria and Bavaria and Poland and Lithuania? That the, the Jewish people were accused collectively as a people of deicide, of the crime of the murder of God in the figure of Jesus of Nazareth? And that that anathema on them was not lifted until 64, well after the uh, perpetrators of the Holocaust had stood trial in secular courts and been rightly punished for their actions. How can this church say it has any moral superiority? It has difficulty catching up to what ordinary people regard as common moral and ethical sense. And it still can't make itself apologize properly. And we're back. Now, before we bring in our guest, I want you to listen to this because this is probably one of the most brilliant cliffs and skits I have ever heard in my life. It is one of my favorite and it expresses very clearly what our guest is. So this is Mr. Deity and The Really Hard Time. It's about <laughs> five minutes. The
3: problem, Timmy, is the bang or the lack thereof. Sir, there is no sound in a void. Well, then let's get rid of the void. Who needs that thing, all right? I'm not gonna pay for a big bang without a bang. That's like asking me to pay for a wagon wheel and not getting a wheel. What do you want me to do here, sir? I want you to make this thing sound like a Bruckheimer film. Did you tell him about the problem? With the bang? No, about the whole time thing. We're having a really hard time. I told him we could do this in seven days. No, not that. The whole creating time thing. No one's figured out how to do it. We can't just create time? Well, what we figured out is in order to create anything, we already have to have time. All right, look, in any act of creation, you first have to have a moment where there is none of whatever it is you're creating right 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 and then in the next moment you create the thing and there it is right so what's the problem well in order to create time time already has to exist see we first have to have a moment where there is no time at which point we create time and then there is time but to have that first moment requires an already existing fabric of time so we need to find time to make time yeah. right and what kind of time are we talking about any time how much just some time. And that'll give us all the time. R and D has been working on this? Over time. So can we get this done in time? In time or on time? Both, really? I don't know. We're running out of time. We gotta pick up the pace on this then. Double time, got it. If we can't figure this out, what are we looking at? Downtime. Serious downtime. Downtime? Big time. But if we figure this out, what do we got? Nothing but time. And after that, we won't need you for another fifteen billion years. Okay, so vacation time. All right, let's put everybody on this and get this show on the road. Showtime, right. In the meantime,
1: we're in the same boat. With this nothingness project.
3: What's the matter? Matter. We can't have any of it. We have to shun it completely. So I have to completely change my, my position on the matter. Right. I guess I can be antimatter. No, 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 no. We can't have any antimatter either. I thought antimatter was just the opposite of. Uh... No, it's still something. And we need. Nothing. And without it, we can't create. Anything. anything. Well, that messes up everything.
0: everything.
3: Uh, why do I need to create time and nothingness? Well, if you want to be the God of Aquinas, right. the big G, you need to create absolutely everything. From nothing. Right. Boy, that's something. Plus, we don't actually know if nothingness is even possible. I mean, it's certainly not probable. Well, why? Because? Well, because there are an infinite number of ways in which something can exist, but there's really only one way in which nothing can exist. Plus, nobody's ever actually seen or experienced nothingness. I mean, even when it was just you, that was still something. So we need to create nothing so I can create everything?
0: And we don't have much time.
3: Well, we can't have any time, if I understood you correctly.
0: Well, yeah, that's correct. (laughs)
3: Okay, so, um... Well, how about this? What what if we just ran out of time? What do you mean? What if we just ran out of time? Brilliant! Right? What if we just ran out of everything?
0: Well, then we'd have... Nothing! We'd have nothing! Sir, that's the key to this whole thing! You are a genius every time. I
3: think it's nothing. No, we actually have something this time. Now if I can just get some free time. Well, if we
1: pull this off, you deserve a little me time. Well,
3: hey, sweetie, what is this? Tea time.
0: (laughs) That was amazing.
1: (laughs) That is a most brilliant uh, skit I have seen in my life. And it explains exactly who our next guest is. So our next guest and No is no other than God himself. Mm -hmm. Say what? No, just kidding. He's a comedian and a self-described foreman. What is
0: that?
1: He's he's a former Mormon.
0: Uh... He's
1: a snappy dresser and a stashy dancer. (laughs) Brian Keith Dalton. Mr. D, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. Sure, glad to be with you. (laughs) You say that now, you might regret that in a few minutes. I probably will. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, uh, you know, I... uh, totally admire your work and I love what you guys do with, with your channel and your, your rants and all that, but for people that might not be familiar uh, with your work, maybe you'd be so kind to give us a bio of who Brian Keith Dalton is.
3: Well, I I started a web show in 2007 called Mr. Deity. It was basically a little satire about uh, God and religion and um, it did very well, very quickly, got picked up uh, Within the first few months, by Sony, uh, and we did the show for them for a while, and then we went back to YouTube because corporations are awful, <laughs> and, uh, and we've been doing that ever since. And Mister um, Mr. the Mister deity character is is not the God, capital T capital G. He is a god, um, and the cosmography is such that basically he was he was denied a, a creation event by the conglomerate, as we called them, and he couldn't pass the psych test, so he goes out on his own and creates this rogue universe, and it's low budget, and it has horrible good-to-evil ratios, and <laughs> it's kind of my idea of why this place, if there is a god, you know, why this place is just such a shithole. Can I Can I curse here? Yes. I can't remember if I can... No, you fucking can't. <laughs> <laughs> Only you were allowed to.
1: I love foul languages. <laughs> oh. You know, yeah. I've always seen, I've always seen the, the the God of the Bible as pretty much kind of like one of those loser gods. Yeah. <laughs> he just can't uh, seem to get anything yeah. done right, <laughs> right? But
2: he's like, oh no, but I'm the best thing ever. So yeah, sliced exactly. cheese.
3: Yeah, and you know, he he does things like, um, you know, a lot of it is is my attempt to create a rationale for why uh, God. The God of the Bible is the way He is. So, for instance, God, in in Mister Deity, God turns off His all knowingness because He doesn't like the fact that it ruins surprise parties yeah. and the, the ends of movies, uh, yep. particularly M, M Night Shyamalan movies. Or, and as He says, <laughs> even the good one.
2: Uh, oh my gosh!
3: And so He ends up being an idiot because He's He's turned off His all knowingness. <laughs> um, and if you look at it, it's it's right in line with the with the. Tribal war god of Abraham and his his writings yeah. uh, from the Old Testament, where he doesn't know, for instance, that the moon is not another source of light, or that uh, women can break their hymens, <laughs> in full uh, intercourse. Yeah. You know, there, there's just so many basic things that the god of the Bible doesn't know. So that's that's my explanation for it. He's mm-hmm. he's just turned off his all knowingness.
1: What prompted? What was the, for lack of a better word, the genesis of the idea of making this? Skip series about that the,
3: the indonesian tsunami in 2004 i want to say really?
0: Christ,
3: christmas uh, tsunami uh, um, just so many people died and i was around a lot of religious people at that time and they were talking about how you know seeing god's hand in all of this and yeah. it just made my head spin and i wrote the very first episode uh mr deity and the evil where they go over all the evils that god would would be allowing on the planet and of course natural disasters were one of them which you know if you really think about it from an all powerful being standpoint there's really enough suffering already to go around you you just don't need to yeah. add that in and it doesn't it, you know if we had never had a natural disaster n- you know none of us ever step into a void we don't think oh there must be a god because we never s- step into a void well if we never had natural disasters it would just be another thing that doesn't happen to us and it wouldn't it wouldn't you know, God's always seems to be worried about it being too easy to believe in him. You have mm-hmm. to, you know, he has to test your faith all the time, and I assume natural disasters are one of them. So that's that was the genesis for the entire uh, thing. I wrote that one little skit and passed it around. A lot of people liked it, and I thought, oh, I'm going write to write some more of these and see if maybe I can get... I actually had made a movie prior with these two actors in the lead who were just amazing, and uh, I had thought of them as Mr. Deity and Larry and they didn't want to do it and um, you know I spent probably two years almost looking around seeing if other people wanted to do it no one wanted to do it Jimbo finally said why don't we shoot it ourselves you play Mr. Deity and I'll I'll play Larry and uh, there you have it
1: (laughs) I just love the way you write stuff Uh, I mean for example one of the brilliance uh, brilliant lines you had is uh, the episode you did with Richard Dawkins, uh, which, <laughs> of course, Richard Dawkins starts talking to Mr. Deity and he starts saying something like, well, what about the laryngeal nerve in the giraffe that goes all the way around? And then his response, Mr. Deity's response is, well, we had an excess of laryngeal nerves, <laughs> so we had to put it somewhere. Oh, my god! Where do you come up with this stuff? That is absolute, this, that's absolutely brilliant writing. Well, it's it's actually not
3: hard to do and a lot of that stuff I'll give you another instance there's there's an episode it's the start of season 3 Mr. Deity and the Virgin where um, they're going to they're going to kill a, a, a supposedly non-virgin girl because she can't produce evidence of virtue uh, in the form of blood on a cloth on her wedding night and Mr. Deity, you know, says basically, you know, what do you, what do you want me to do? I can't, I can't go down there. It's the the prime. We have to, we have to, you know, respect the prime directive. And you know, Larry says that, but that's not our thing. That's Star Trek. You know, <laughs> it's it's, it's based, Those things are based on me reading um, apologetics from various apologetics websites. When you when you go to the the problem of god-killing virgins non-virgins rather on an af- apologetic website you just get mo- the most ridiculous i mean it, they're they're literally ridiculous answers for why this is the way it is and why god had to do it and blah 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 blah, blah. and th- they remove all of his all-powerfulness all of his all-knowingness it's like he's just another actor on the planet yeah. Uh, you know that has no transcendence, that doesn't understand anything beyond what the people of his time understood. It's 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 literally so ridiculous that my my thinking in all of those cases is well, let's just see how ridiculous we can be because if they're if they're going to be ridiculous, why can't I be ridiculous? And then that comes out as Mr. Deity being ridiculous, yeah. and it's really not a leap from what Christians actually employ in terms of of their
1: apologetics no, it's, it's just insanity it absolutely isn't uh, the late great christopher hitchens used to say that humor and laughter was the beginning of emancipation and do you feel that by by doing these skits and these comedy skits that's essentially probably one of the best weapons that we have against religious dogma these days
3: yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't know that Hitchens quote. I've got to find that now because that's amazing. That's. I, I believe that's true. The, the thing about the thing about humor is, it's invasive. It, it's you know, you make someone laugh. Um, it's it's a it's a response that is not, you know, it's not an option mm-hmm. uh, of yours. If something's funny and you laugh, you just laugh at it. And when you laugh at things. Um, it's hard to ignore them it's very difficult to ignore something that you've laughed at because you your brain gets the it gets the underlying rationale for why you're laughing yes (laughs) and it causes little thoughts to take hold and you know bloom and grow and all all of a sudden I sound like edelweiss um (laughs) and but that's you know and it it does it's it it it's an invasive force that you cannot ignore. So it's a, pow- it's a powerful – it's so much better than argument, Yeah. Um, which is why I think some of these shows here in America are having such an impact on, on thinking. These shows like uh, The Daily Show mm-hmm. um, and you know Bill Maher and some of these shows where you're bringing these, these thoughts and these ideas but via humor – and it becomes a very different uh, uh, defense mechanism to to ward it off. And it's it's not easily it's not easily ignored.
1: No, 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 you're absolutely right. I think I think people are the, the most vulnerable and the most genuine when they're laughing mm-hmm. because really yes. you know you don't have any defenses, you don't have any pretences. You're really expressing your inner self when you're laughing at something that's funny.
3: Yeah,
1: it's very much a, an organic lie detector. Yeah, it absolutely is. Absolutely <laughs> is. Uh, we gotta we gotta start uh, talking about because as much as I love the Mister D uh, skits, there are also other skits that you kind of have. They're more like rants, you know, the way of the Mister and Mister D goes to, to Washington and stuff like that. You're quite involved in the politics. You you absolutely have a, a keen mind when it comes to politics.
3: Well, I, yeah, I've been I've been following politics since I was very young, maybe in my teens. My I had I had parents who were much older. Uh, my father was 47 when I was born, and and uh, my mother was 45. And I I remember, for instance, um, my dad getting out a recorder, a reel-to-reel recorder, to record Richard Nixon's uh, resignation because wow. he thought it was going to be such a big deal and. You know, uh, my dad. My dad was one of these guys who thought this is going to be valuable at some point, (laughs) not realizing that everybody else has a tape recorder (laughs) too. But uh, yeah, those are some of my earliest memories. I remember a lot about you know you couldn't get away from the Vietnam War when I was growing up. I was born in '65, so you you have a lot of a lot of stuff going on uh, in the world uh, that I kind of keyed in on early, and then when I was in my 20s, you know, I was a, a Mormon, I'm a foreman now, so you're very right-wing and Republican, and did the whole libertarian thing for a long time, and, uh, ended up kind of realizing, and it took me a long time, it's funny, that the religion, it was easier to get my, find my way out of religion than it was to find my way out of, uh politics and, and conservatism, because really? I voted for George Bush twice. I mean, I'm horrified to say that, but I, I voted for him in 2000 and 2004. Oh, wow. By 2005, I, I had immediate regret, especially once you saw that the the war just was ridiculous. It was completely unnecessary, and um, on top of everything else, it was there was just lies galore, and then you know, that was that was really the second big time also that we had tried this whole uh, trickle-down economics. Yeah. And t- to see it go so badly so quick. And also that, that just, just to realize at a certain point that, you know, anyone can make the economy grow if you're going into tremendous debt. It's not a – that's not a – there's, there's no magic in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Trump just gave us a $1.5 trillion debt with these new tax cuts and the economy is growing. Well, of course it's, that's not the, that's (laughs) not the issue is can you, can you, can you balance a budget, pay for things? And that's really the problem here in America is no one wants to pay for anything. They want to make America great, but they want to do it Without paying anything for it, and and it's just it's just you know everybody understands that if you want a great car you've got to spend a lot of money. Yeah. Um, You know, and and but if you want a great country, uh, you know, no one wants to chip in. Yeah.
1: It's just uh, we we have the same problem here in some parts of British Columbia. I call it the the, uh, Mercedes Benz taste on a Ford budget.
3: Yes. Yeah. Or a Hugo. (laughs) <laughs> In America, it's, it's a hugo budget hugo, hugo? yeah
1: hugo. So, so so now we found out that you voted for george bush twice yes and and, and now donald trump is i know you didn't vote for donald trump but I, I have to ask you are you willing to apologize for your country at this point
3: <laughs> Ab- absolutely i'm i'm horrified by the whole by the whole thing it's just um, although you know <laughs> you know given trump George Bush now looks like a freaking Oh my genius. gosh, I
2: know, right? <laughs> Terrifying. You never thought you would get a worse president.
3: I mean, than he just Bush. he just said last night at a rally that, you know, uh, that Ulysses Grant is finally getting recognized as a great general.
2: Wait, <laughs> what?
3: Yeah, he did. Yeah. That. yeah, Ulysses Grant. By the way, who wow. who's whose tomb is, you know, just just a, a little north of of his northmost tower there, and on the upper west side of Manhattan in Riverside Park, uh, it's the the entire tomb is a is a monument to recognizing Grant. But wow. uh, apparently, he thinks that we're just now getting around to recognizing <laughs> what a great general oh. Ulysses S. Grant was well, d-
0: here
1: during the Civil War. What what I find amazing is. <laughs> We're we're not even Americans. We're Canadians, and we seem to know more about U.S. history than the president himself. Yes, well, yes. to be
2: fair, we do get taught American history in Canada.
1: Well, no, so. well, yeah, but nowhere near as much as you know.
2: No, not not like the America.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. Well, who who was the other? I th- I think Frederick Douglass is the other person that he said.
2: Yes, yeah. was just now getting recognized.
3: Yeah, he's just getting the re- he's like, just getting some recognition, wow. as if he was still living. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just unbelievable. And uh, you know, how dumb can the Republicans go? I mean, it's we're literally at a point where I I don't know how much.
2: Yeah, stupider I, you can I, get. I honestly think that they don't care how dumb he is, as long as he's helping them get their – yeah. Agenda
3: done. Yeah. Well, there's there's a guy here. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember his name, but he's a big. He's the guy that made all of the Republicans take a pledge that they would not, you know, have any more taxes. Uh, they would never spend more money uh, or raise more money via taxes. And um, he had said years ago at a at a convention, all we need is a guy. With a hand and functioning digits to take a pen and sign into law,
1: these things, and that's basically what they got. That's yeah. That's exactly what they have got. Do, do you find that, uh, um, especially in in the light of uh, Senator uh, Kavanaugh, uh, the Judge Kavanaugh should I say sorry, not Senator Kavanaugh uh, being appointed yeah, uh, to the, su- the the Supreme Court? Um, I f- I feel that it seems that uh, on the on the um, on the right it doesn't even seem to matter anymore whether or not it's actually good for them or the country it just seems to just as long as they can actually stick one to the quote libtards it seems to be all they care about as 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 the country devolve into has been has it been so polarized to the point that winning at all costs is all that seems to matter now
3: well the thing the thing to remember about i think the republicans is that they you know, for the for the vast majority of this country's history, we have we have not had democracy in any meaningful way. We had, you know, it took 144 years, I want to say, for for half the population, women, to be allowed to vote. Yeah. And then and then you you know you don't have the Voting Rights Act till 1965, I think, mm-hmm. uh, where you really start to ensure that people are allowed to vote despite the fact that we had you know amendments to our constitution that were supposed yeah. to guarantee that it never happened so you're you're looking at a group who you know paul Paul Ryrich years and years ago said we don't want everyone voting they don't like democracy they don't like diversity they don't they have they have the way that they think it should be and that's what they're all about, and they've done a very good job in accumulating the power to be able to do what they want regardless of of the people. I mean, I laugh at the way um, Mitch McConnell held uh, a Supreme Court seat open for over a year. Yeah, he's yeah. um, and because he he said he wanted to hear you know he thought the voice of the people should matter well the voice- voice of the people voted three million more of us went for Hillary, but th- so he he didn't care about that he he just wanted the power to install the person that he wanted. So the voice of the people is not something that they have ever given a crap about yeah. they're they're very much the party of. uh, I mean, I I remember this when I was back when I was a Republican. I heard people uh, tell me that we we don't want everyone to vote. I heard people talking about how there should be, you know, some kind of IQ test or, um, you know, American history test or, you know, for Christ's sake, why not just have the poll tax back? You know, I mean, it's it's um, this this is not a group of people who want and they know they know that they don't that they don't represent the people because they know that they've gerrymandered their way in that they've voter suppressed their way in they've uh, you know done all kinds of uh, things like they're doing now in Georgia where they you know kick people out either off voter rolls or they say you know we have a ridiculous situation going on here in Georgia where the Secretary of State is running for governor and he is keeping 53,000 people off off the voter That's registration so right now because of some stupid law where everything has to match exactly you know the information that they have versus what you fill out on your voter registration and of course who's getting disenfranchised there I think it's 70 to 80 percent are blacks Hispanics and Asians oh, it's it's minorities and you know, this is, this is how America has always been. This is the thing. This is what we need to remember. This, it's always been this way. So we got we to take the power back because they are completely drunk with it.
1: Uh, you know, from, from our standpoint up here north of the 49th, I get the impression that um, conservatives are on their dying breath and they know it. And yeah. they seem to have adopted a scorch earth policy. Yeah. And I'll essentially burn it all down, make make sure that we can do as much damage as possible. Do you think that's exactly what's happening down south?
3: Absolutely. I think that's exactly what's going on. They they're they're they have one they have one interest and it's and it's power. And they know, they know look, the demographics are just not in their favor. And you know, they had a big biopsy after Mitt Romney lost where they, you know, the the party got together and said look we got to make a bigger tent we got and and they went in absolutely the opposite direction
0: mm-hmm.
3: and the only way they're they're getting by and you can only do this for a certain time this is the thing that kills me you can't do this forever you can't suppress the vote forever because he, at a certain point no matter how much you suppress the demographics are so far against you it's not going to matter gerrymandering at a certain point is not going to matter and then once the other people get the power this is where they don't think long term once the other side gets the power you've you've just opened the floodgates for them to do the same exact thing to you and given the demographics of our country and the way it's going you're going to come to a point where republicans are never going to hold they're just never going to hold the presidency again, or or um, or federal office in general. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be, you know, because they've. What are they going to say? Oh, you can't do that. Well, you've been you did it for 30 years. Why can't we?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Wow, um, Brian. Um- I listened to an interview you had uh, several weeks ago with uh, our friend uh, Robert Stanley from the Right to Reason podcast. It was a great interview, and I was completely astounded when you guys made the link between Donald Trump being essentially Mr. Deity in a way. Could you elaborate on that? I thought it was fascinating.
3: Well, yeah, actually, you know what? It's funny. It, it happened to me um, after the election. Um, I kind of went dark for a while. It was It was so depressing to me. And we we had to do another episode. I was I was writing it and I actually went back and I started watching some of the, the early ones to get inspiration and re- remember what this thing was all about. And in watching them it, it just struck me he's Donald Trump. I have I have I have seen the future in two thousand seven. I saw the future, just everything about the way he he talks and and hems and haws and has the most and just says things without regard for their veracity. And then, if challenged, he just sweeps it under the rug. You know, it, I mean, literally everything about the character uh, is very much uh, Trumpian, and it kind of it kind of surprised me. Uh, but it it is very much the same thing. And and basically, all it is 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 just power. Without intelligence, it's that's Donald Trump. It's power minus intelligence, yeah. or or even any. I want to say any. Uh, you know, the the power isn't even earned.
2: Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's
3: it's just there, and you know, you have you have the same kind of sycophancy as portrayed by Larry in the Mister Deity episode, who in my mind was just a, you know, a heavenly version of Smithers from the, from the (laughs) Senate. That's what the Republican Party has become. These guys, you see these guys at these meetings where they're, I just want to thank you, Donald Trump for, let's see, I can do my Mike Mike Pence. I want to thank you, Donald Trump, for (laughs) allowing me to be part of your You know, the way they praise him and just bow down to him and, uh, oh, my God, it's so disgusting. But it's, you know, the dynamic that I love between Deity and Larry is Larry knows he's wrong, but he he can't really say anything. And that's what you've got with the Republican Party now. You've got, you know, you've got Paul Ryan and, and, well, Mitch McConnell is another story, but you've got Paul Ryan and these various leaders who know he's wrong but they can't really say anything because they're going to offend the base it's not so much about offending him well it is because if they they offend him they offend the base it's it's that we you know
1: we gotta gotta just go along because he's got all the power is it is it accurate to say now that this is no longer uh republican or, or 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 conservative this this is a cult of trump now
3: it really is he is, he is very much a cult figure. And I mean he the funny thing is is he knew it before we did. When he yeah. said uh you know I can shoot a, I could shoot a person on 5th Avenue and I wouldn't lose any followers. Um he was right. He was right. And yeah. and the thing that kills me about that is is they went ape shit when Hillary said that it's a basket of deplorables? Well, how much more deplorable does it get when a person can shoot another human being on Fifth Avenue, and nobody nobody says, "Oh, that's a terrible thing. I can't support you anymore." Yeah. I mean that that is the essence of deplorable. But you know, apparently you can't you can't say that. It's yeah. it's we we've got a really backwards mixed up thing, and he is. He is absolutely a cult leader, which is why he loves all the other cult leaders. Yeah, you yeah. know, like Kim Jong Un or um, or Putin or any of these other people who who make it all about themselves. It's it's it's, be- it's, it's become, really
1: become fast. I've watched it, watched it. Uh, because uh, you, you you essentially have. Uh, uh, people that, despite some comments that we hear, we, we we have on the show, and like for example, a couple of weeks ago, when you remember when he suggested that he should, uh, Spain should build a, a wall yeah. across the Sahara Desert, how could you? How could you, a guy, make this kind of comment? And you look at you people and say, "This is your guy, really? This this is this is who you think the creme of the creme is to represent you on the world stage?" That's absolutely astounding. Yeah, yeah, it's it's horrifying. You know, and, and
3: we had a couple of weeks ago. You had, or maybe last week, you had, you had the entire world laughing at him when he that, when was, he, that
2: literally made my week. <laughs> it made me yeah. so happy.
3: <laughs> yeah, you have. I mean, the guy gets up there and says stuff like, you know, really. I mean, you you do realize how he he's he's bought into it as well. I mean, yes. I'm sure it started out as, and this I. I do think this happens with all people who are habitual liars, and I, I have actually lived with uh, a, a a person with a mental illness who who does they, she, she just lied out the wazoo left and right and had no regard for truth whatsoever. And there is a point at which those people believe. You know, they, they succumb to their own bullshit, mm-hmm. and they can't tell the difference anymore. They they just don't even know when they're doing it, and it just becomes a way of life. Like the way you and I talk and and try to be, you know, logically consistent, and we we try to be uh, uh, respectful of of the facts and and everything. If you if you don't do that, after a while that just becomes as habitual as as anything else it just becomes your way of life and he he's clearly bought into it because how how could you get up there in front of in front of the UN and say the shit that he says yeah <laughs> because he really think everyone else is stupid yeah. i guess he does you know and you know who can fault him he's done well yes. he's he's, ju- he's just constantly insulted the intelligence of everyone on the planet and you have people who voted him in for various reasons that's that's a whole nother issue like Mm -hmm. what the hell happened there that's there's depth there that I don't fully understand either
1: are we gonna see an episode of Mr. Deity soon with Mr. the character of Mr. Deity where wearing some kind of hairpiece Please tell me that's going to happen.
3: No, I hope no. That's, <laughs> that's just never going to happen. No, you can
2: never beat what the Simpsons did. With the dog.
1: <laughs> with the dog.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was the best.
1: Oh. Yeah. Uh, Brian, uh, looking at the future there, I know this, this is looking really bleak and all that. And uh, short of uh, moving you to Vancouver here with us, uh, what do you think is going to happen to the United States?
3: I do th- – well – it's interesting because when when uh, this went down, someone wrote a, a terrific article talking about how this this really isn't is a pattern that that happens over and over again. The the last time we saw this happen was in California, where we had we had people who were you know we had this proposition here in California, anti illegal immigration proposition was which was just beyond harsh and uncaring and whatnot, and you had that followed up by the election of a celebrity governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. and then people came to their senses, and <laughs> this is a pattern that's happened over and over again in in politics here in America where people uh, – they you know come upon hard times for some some reason and instead of looking at the fundamentals find a, a group to blame They're, they usually have skin that's a little more brown than than the majority okay. and uh they go after them and then we all come to our senses and realize oh that's that's not the way to do this and then uh, things pull hard left and uh which they've they've done here in california not not hard left but but strongly left i mean we've we've uh Governor Brown has really turned this state around in many ways. It's 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 kind of amazing, okay. um, and I think you're going to have the same thing happen here. Where, uh, first of all, the demographics are just t- changing too rapidly. Every election, every election cycle, we have so many more young people who maybe the youngest among them aren't aren't coming out and voting, but enough of them are moving into the oh shit I gotta I gotta yeah. do my duty here. To where the demographics alone are going to push uh, um, progressivism into mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. So I, I, have, I'm actually very hopeful, and I, and I, part of me thinks this is, this is a necessary thing. It's, it's as you said, it's the last gasp of. Let's let's just be blunt about it. It's the old white male patriarchy. Yep. Uh, coming coming to terms with the fact that they've you know being they've got very, very little time left yeah.
2: yeah and I definitely think the younger generation with Trump's election and the last two years of politics younger people are realizing that the people in politics right now don't care about them Yeah. like they don't care if they're being murdered or discriminated right. against so they're like well we gotta change it then mm-hmm. especially with there being a lot of political outlets, like with Bernie Sanders, that are looking out for them and showing them, okay, this is what you have to do mm-hmm. to elect the people that will make change.
3: Exactly. Right. You've, you've got a situation here now where it's, it's more and more um, horrible news is starting to leak out about how these poor children oh. – yeah. Have been treated, and for instance, there was a story yesterday where, where a four-year-old signed away her rights. I mean, th- this is, this is just the most despicable. These, these people are disgusting, horrible human beings. That's that's the bottom line. Who who is going to, who, who even thinks that's feasible <laughs> that uh-huh. you can have a, a four-year-old sign away her rights to be reunited with her parents? It's just ridiculous. She I, I, I mean, her name at that age. Just, I, I don't even. I can't even fathom that. And and I think once the word gets out and people start to understand how bad the people are who've been running this country for the last two years, I, I, I mean, I'm very hopeful about the the midterms. I know the Republicans got the Kavanaugh bump, but it's it's you know uh, three weeks in politics here is is an eternity. Oh my gosh! We, I know. We, we we will move back. I I'm suspecting that we're going to hear within the next two weeks the tape with Trump using the n-word um, you know I, th- I think you know the, the thing that Republicans are so short-sighted about is that the fact that like I said earlier they're not gonna be in power forever and all the doors that they've opened all the awfulness that they've allowed if they really think that the Democrats are that evil you don't open those doors mm-hmm. you keep them closed so no one can go through them and they've opened them so if if all of a sudden democrats get power and start doing to them what what they've been doing to us that's going to be very ugly yeah. it's going to be very very ugly and the, how do you not how do you not just realize that the 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 rules and the and the fair even playing field is put there for a reason it's not just to protect you it's to protect them because they may one day get power, and then you're going to be screwed. It's just
1: so short-sighted. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit the same thing that the evangelicals have, for trying to put uh, faith yeah. into government all the time. They don't seem to realize. Oh, yeah, you can put the Ten Commandments, but eventually, if you have enough people yeah. and you have a majority of, I don't know, Muslims, for example, in whatever state, you're not going to want well, to see the Quran there.
3: You know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys have read um, Daniel Kahneman's Thinking, Fast and Slow, but it's 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 literally a, a blueprint for this. It's, he talks about the two systems of of thinking. One, which is he calls, what you see is all there is, and then the other the other side is the big picture thinking, where you think beyond the immediate moment. And mm-hmm. Republicans have gone very much. And I think this does happen when you all you care about is the immediate exercise of power. Um, you just see what's right in front of you right now, and you don't you don't factor in you know the next step and the next step and the next step where does this end where does this lead Hmm.
1: Um, cool Brian T. Dalton thank thank you so much for explaining all this to to us today Uh, maybe you'd be so kind to let us know what's coming down for uh, Mr. Dee and uh, Mr. Deity goes to Washington and all that stuff
3: well, we're doing, we're doing an episode of Mr. Deity about the Mormons not wanting to be called Mormons. Oh
2: my gosh, that's so <laughs> hilarious. It's ridiculous, which is, which but
3: hilarious. Really, I, mean, I don't know if you've been hearing things, but there have been uh, uh, reports of Mormons saying that people using the term Mormon now is like people using the N-word, <laughs> What? <laughs> which is hysterical because <sighs> there is no book of nigger. You know? No, there, there isn't, and they, they didn't get behind it, and they didn't have a nigger.org org uh, thing representing blacks all, all, over the world forever. I, 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 these people are just—they have gone nuts, and this is, a, this is another case where they're not. Say, and by the way, I'm so sorry if that offended anybody. Uh, you know, my saying the word out loud instead of the n word, but that is the point that. That so is the point. One is a horribly offensive term that was used to, to uh, demean blacks in the worst way forever in this country. Another is a, is a term that was embraced for, I, I don't know, 100, 140 years? Mm-hmm. They, they literally had a website, mormon.org. How can you compare the one with the other? I mean, it's just so nuts. It's so absolutely nuts. No one is ever going to be offended by the use of Mormon the way blacks rightfully should be offended by the N word. And and you've you've got you've got these people who are this is another case of where if you can't if you can't go with the flow because you are part of some dogmatic group who thinks you have the truth and it's all contained in these little books and you have to stick to it no matter what. This is what happens. You you just become you become functionally insane uh, in terms of our in terms of the the, the the base of people who are making up any, any group because. You have to be. You have to be tied to this thing that doesn't make sense in modern times, but you're going to hold to it no matter what.
1: So what are we supposed to call them then if we're not calling
3: them Oh, others? it's
2: like the Church of Latter-day Saints of Christ. Yeah, they
3: don't even like Latter-day Saints. You, they didn't. Yeah. They told the, the guy, said you can't even use Latter-day Saints. So it's we're like all supposed to say members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Are you hey. freaking kidding me?
1: <laughs> Maybe we should just call them like um, Smith followers or something like that.
3: And I, yeah, Smithites. Smithites, we there
1: we go. Smithies. Smithies. We'll
3: call them Smithies. Or,
0: uh,
3: <laughs> or uh, I mean, God, the guy was the horniest, probably one of the horniest people ever to live on the planet. Maybe we can call them the hornies. I don't know. Um, <laughs> think about think about the chutzpah Joseph Smith had. I mean, mm. it, even, even, even L. Ron Hubbard didn't go to his wife and say, sweetheart, uh, God wants me to take another. He's, yeah. he's decided one is not enough. <laughs> I hope you're okay with that. I mean, this guy, God, it's just unbelievable. I can't. I, it, it baffles my mind when I think I was so hip deep into this religion. But, you know, that's indoctrination. That's what, it sure that's is. what you can do to kids. Brian, if,
1: if people want to find out more about your work and you want to contribute to your Patreon and all that, where can they find you?
3: I, I I would recommend just going to uh, YouTube and looking up Mr. Deity, D E I T Y. Don't look up Mr. Diety; that's you're going to get bad <laughs> nutritional information. Um, or you know, MrDeity works too, and there's there's a way to you know just click right through to the Patreon sign up page and and help support the work. Fantastic. But we 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 have. I'm in a period right now where I have ideas. And this has been this way before. I need to really get out there and push for a little more funding to come in because I have some ideas that are a little too big for my little budget that I have, and I'd would love to do them, uh, but they're they're a little bigger, and I need I need to hire crew and all that kind of thing. And you know, it's like two three day shoot. One one of which I need to get a I need to get a big location if I'm going to do it right. So Perfect. if
1: anyone can help out. That's great. I will do so myself. I will actually go on Patreon and <laughs> contribute know. to your there account, you sir. Know. Before I let you go, Brian, i got to have you say, Hi, I'm Brian Keith Dalton, and I took a left at the Valley.
3: Hi, I'm Brian Keith Dalton, and I took a left at the Valley.
1: And that was Brian Keith Dalton, Mr. D himself. Love that guy. Good. Is think- awesome. You know, I don't. I don't think he does stand up. I should have asked him that because, uh, you know. But I think. I think his writing is absolutely brilliant.
0: It and really is. I
1: really truly encourage you guys to go ahead and check his uh, his little skits, uh, Mister Deity. They're funny as hell. You know, they're 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 low fringe. You know, but they goddamn they put a smile on your face, and you have a great time with them.
2: Yep. And in the world right now, anything that puts a smile on your face is needed. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ah, well, thank you so much, Christina, for well, joining no me on the problem. show today. I
2: happy I was able to come.
1: Yes. <laughs> and thank you out there for being with us on Left of the Valley. You can always send us a message at leftatvalley@outlook.com.
2: Even if it's just to tell us how much you love us. We
0: need or constant e- reassurance. Even if you don't
1: like us, we'll, we'll happily hear from <laughs> you anyway. And uh, you can uh, give us a five-star review wherever you find us. It really helps us and helps others find the show. You can follow us at leftatvalley.com. I will update the site very soon. Here, I know I'm way behind, and
0: it's <laughs> a lot of work to do this
1: And you can follow us on Facebook, or on Twitter at Letv Podcast. Coming up next week, we have a heavy metal group.
0: I am so excited. Of
1: Predators. And
2: you should go listen to their music. It's, yeah, it'll be. Interesting. If you enjoy um, heavy metal, they're I enjoy them. Actually, I'm not a huge heavy metal,
1: but we'll feature a couple of their, yeah. their, 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 their hits for sure. Uh, and of course, the weekend after the, the weekend after that is our Halloween special. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Uh, my story is almost done. And in November, we'll be talking to Thomas Westbrook. Remember Thomas Westbrook? He'll be talking to us about the Catholic Church and oh, all the scandals yes! we've been having that, lately. That, uh, yeah. And we'll also be talking to Jeremy, Jeremy Montanez. He's an ex Trump supporter. He basically decided to turn his life around and apologize to the nation for being an idiot for that time there. And he's been getting a lot of flack for that, so I can't wait to talk to him. That's going to be a very interesting show. Definitely. And we'll also going to be doing a very interesting show about marijuana. Yeah. Because <laughs> October seventeenth, which is right around the corner, it's so close. It becomes legal in the country, so we right here on the show. What we think we're going to do is we're going to actually indulge in yes, the earth. Because
2: I have never tried marijuana,
1: so maybe it you will and I, be my
2: first time. Maybe,
1: maybe you and I will bring a bong or a joint or something and Who have knows. a couple of puffs and see how crazy we get during the rest of the show. Who,
2: I might, I have no idea what I am going to be like. Me neither. Like, I might just be like even crazier than normal
1: me neither so we'll, I guess we'll have Nancy and Kirsten keep an eye on us it might just get really yeah. crazy i <laughs> have
2: to get a taxi to drive me home <laughs> <laughs> alright
1: well, awesome. perfect anything else you need to say
2: um if you want to smile you should read Harry Potter Ugh. hey come on Harry Potter's amazing yes it's awesome
1: I'm sure it is you still need to get me a Daniel record to put on the show
0: yeah
2: one day,
1: thank you so much, guys. Until next time,
0: now let me take a second. Don't mean it sounds so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, intended, I find it disgraceful. The thousands of children are raped by priests, and since they holy men of God, they get away scot free. And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush. Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much. We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them while they plan it? We're teaching them to respect them. respect them. Fuck that. The system is broken down, working backwards. And the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained. Millions of murders by believers. And they're all in God's name. And let me take a second. Don't mean it sounds so hateful, but I swear to God, one intended, I find it disgraceful that many atheists are told to be quiet. Time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. 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 I'm an atheist.